Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. One word can change everything, can it? One word. Think about the word yes, spoken by her in response to his question, will you marry me? The world that opens up before them. You think about how many tears have fallen at the word goodbye. One word changes everything. Think about or see our high school students here, the word past when you come to that senior year is <laughs> a, a beautiful word. Those of us who are uh, Braveheart fans, we think about what, what word from William Wallace as he gave up his life fighting. It's freedom. But of all the one words ever spoken, there is one that rises above them all. And I think it's an easy conclusion. This is the greatest one word ever cried, and it is the word finished. It was the final word our Lord spoke from the cross. John was there, his disciple, he heard him, and he writes in John chapter 19, verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished, and with that he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. We hear our Lord shouting this word, and we know in uh, English we translate this with three words, but in the Greek it was one word that he shouts. It is finished, finished. It's the word that leaves us asking, um, what did he finish, and and why did he use this word, and what was um, the significance of this word, and it invites us to go back and and really watch him live, and track a little bit of his passion, and, and what where this word comes from. And so as we turn back into the the very first moments of his life that we have recorded for us, it's interesting that you find something of this word in the very first thing he says. And he's a teenage boy or a young boy at the time. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 49. Or the context here, his mother and dad, they were looking for him. They had been to the temple, Jerusalem. They left, he was still there. And his mom says to him, why, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And this is what he says, verse 49. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? The word house there, not the best of translations. It's better um, translated uh, about my father's affairs or about my father's business. What was driving Jesus, even as a young man, a teenage guy? Passion to be about his father's work, to finish the work. As he begins his public ministry, not long, or or grows up, he's around 30 years old, but but first steps into his public ministry, we see him uh, talking with the lady who did not understand who he was, the woman at the well, John chapter 4. And remember, he's uh, talking with her about himself and inviting her to, to trust him. 
his disciples had gone into town to get food. They come back and they, uh, in John chapter 4, verse 31 says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, Could, could someone have brought him food? And Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to what? Finish his work. Don't you have a saying it is still um, four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Not long after that, he's talking to the religious leaders and they're questioning him and saying, hey, where do you fit with John the Baptist? And, and he says in John, uh, John chapter 5, verse 36, I have testimony weightier than that of John, speaking of John the Baptist, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. You can see his finish it passion as he's talking to these guys. And then as he nears the cross in John chapter 12, verse 27, he's super vulnerable with what he's going through. And he just says, um, my soul, verse 27, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. You can just fill his finish it passion in these moments and then in his prayer in John chapter 17 is it's called the high priestly prayer but this is the prayer he prays with his disciples on that night that he's betrayed first part of the prayer we see it in John 17 verse 4 he says speaking to his father I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do and now father glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world began and then as he nears the, the cross in a Matthew chapter uh, 26, verse 38, we know in the praise, Father, it pass, but not my will, but your will be done. What do you do in those moments when the work that God gives you to do. There we go. What do you do in the moments when the work that God gives you to do is not the way you had hoped your life would, would play out? We see that in the life of Christ. The Father created him. Jesus came to do a work. And yet, as he's doing this work, he comes to these points when it's not easy. There, there's times of suffering, the cross moments of life. And as we watch our Lord today, and even this, this holy week, the glory that we see is that every moment of his life was a moment of surrender from start to finish. And it was a surrendering to do the Father's work. To, uh, there was a passion in him to finish the work. And that word that he shouts when he breathes his last breath, really is the window into this, his soul and the passion that drove him from start to finish. And today, as we watch him, we're going to just um, kneel at the cross. And through Matthew, we can see these final moments. But what we see is this passion, and it moves us, I think, to worship one, and that this week would be just a week of worship, but two, that it would move us to live with a finish it passion as well in our own lives as we do the work that he's called us to do. And so, if you would, join me in Matthew chapter 27. In verse uh, 27. 
Matthew 27, verse 27. Matthew writes, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. You could entitle this section um, just the mocking and the shame. Quick context, he's already been flogged. And we know flogging was something that would bring people to the brink of death. They were hoping that he would die before sunset. And so um, he's already lost much blood and, and gone through much suffering. But they strip him, put a scarlet robe on him, symbolizing royalty, mocking him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff on his hand, and then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him and took off the robe, they put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. After tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy this, the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. And in the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him heaped insults on him. From noon until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three, or about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. There's a misunderstanding that two, or when he shouted Eli, Eli, similar to the beginning of Elijah's name. And so immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, and we know from John, this is the moment that he shouts, finish. He gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. Bodies from many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him were, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely, 
He was Son of God. As Jesus finishes the work that the Father gave him to do, he uh, he. Sh- attention to these details that um, he, he points to amplify the significance of this moment. And what we'd like to do for just a few moments is, is uh, notice these, look at these. The first detail, when Jesus Christ finished, it was with a loud sh- shout or a loud voice. It's interesting that God wants us to hear this. He doesn't want us just to know the word that he said, but he wants us to know the tone in which he said it. And it was with a shout, with a cry, um, with his final breath, he exclaims this word, finished. And, and I can't help but think, what, you ask, why does God want us to hear it? And, and I think it's the passion with which he says it. And he wants us to know that this is not a quiet sigh of defeat, but this is a declaration of victory. The work that he came to do from start to finish, from the reason he was born, and he, as a, as in his humanity, awakening to the reality that all of scriptures were pointing to him as the Messiah, that, that this work, that, that he would be tempted not to do it in the garden, and tempted all the way to the cross not to do, that he just finished. Victory, man, victory. To which we say, what's the work? And the next detail points to it. And I love this moment. And, and Matthew and God, through Matthew, the Holy Spirit wants us to see it. He, the text is a little more clear in the Greek. It's, behold, look at this. The moment he shouts that, the curtain in the temple was torn top to bottom. God himself rips the curtain. This is the second detail that amplifies this moment. The curtain of the temple torn top to bottom. I love the completeness of it. God's like, don't miss this. It's ripped all the way through. You say, what's the significance of that? The curtain was this thick fabric that separated humanity from a holy God. You could not go into the presence of the holy God and live. Our sin, it amplifies the, the, uh, just the, the severity of our sin. We downplay it. We minimize it. We, we think if I'm better than the next guy or if I'm okay, I'm okay. No, one sin is worthy of death. Only could a high priest go into the, through that curtain and only one time a year and with a rope on his feet and bells that if he stopped moving, they'd drag him out because the chances are he had unconfessed sin in his soul and would die. And only with the blood of a perfect lamb could he enter the presence of a holy God. That is the holiness of our God and the severity of our sin and the reality that none of us deserve to live a moment. Only by His grace, only by His mercy, and surely none of us deserve to walk with Him and to know Him and to run into His presence and cry, Abba, Father. But through what Jesus did on the cross, He ripped, God rips the curtain and says, come, into my presence as a dearly loved child, sin forever forgiven. The work of Jesus, what did he finish on the cross? What did he come to do? He came to become the living, dying sacrifice who would once and for all make atonement for our sin, you guys. How good is that? His work was to become 
the perfect Lamb of God who would live the perfect life, never give way to sin, tempted, 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 and yet remain faithful, and then to die the death that we all deserve to die so that we might have eternal life through faith in Him. This precious promise, He says, I am the Lamb. Trust me, trust me, trust me, and everyone who trusts me can be forgiven and can live in the presence of the Father, the curtain torn into. I think the great lie that, that we tend to believe is that, uh, that we have to do to be right with God, isn't it? That we, we rely on our own finished work. Like, I'm going to do enough, and I'm finished becoming acceptable to God. Do, 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 and that's the lie of every world religion. It's fill it in our own. Those of us who follow Christ, but sweet truth of the gospel and the good news of the gospel is we do not rely on our finished work. We rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross as our only hope and as an all-sufficient hope. Amen? And today as we hear him shout, finished, and then that curtain ripped, ah, man, it just moves us to worship. It moves also to be about our Father's work. Quick text that that just... um, celebrates this and amplifies this in Hebrews chapter 10 verse uh, 19 it says therefore brothers and sisters have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus speaking of the holy the, the presence of God by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great high priest over the house of God speaking of Jesus let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. And today, if you're feeling distant from God or you don't know God through faith in Christ, his invitation is, remember the gospel, trust the gospel, trust Christ, come to me, draw near to me. And then the third detail that amplifies this moment, when Jesus shouts, finished, the, the, uh, the rocks, the earth shook. So there's an earthquake, the rocks split, the tombs in the cemetery, and I'm picturing the cemetery, last cemetery you were in, you picture by a loved one, and tombs rip, uh, splitting open, breaking open, and dead people coming to life once Christ comes back to the dead, uh, from the dead, is raised again, and, and they go into Jerusalem. I was thinking about a church, we were um, preparing to help plant a church in Lebanon, or revitalize a church, and can you imagine putting a, a church planting team together full of dead people who have been raised to life. <laughs> so that's a pretty good power team right there, man. What are you doing? I thought you died 120 years ago. Unfortunately, I have to die again, but, but I'm back to tell you Jesus is alive. Believe in him. And, uh, but what's God doing in this moment? Why does Matthew record this detail for us? The shout, the, the earthquake, tombs opening up. He's saying this is a foreshadowing of what's to come. People get ready. It's resurrection day. He's shaking the earth, saying, universe, get ready. Creation groans today. We know Romans 8, waiting for the redemption of God's people, for the curse to be reversed. And here God, he shakes the earth. He wakes people up, and he's saying, the curse is reversing. It's happening. It's happening. And I know we, next week is Easter, but, but Matthew can't wait to get there, and we can't either, can we? We are people of the resurrection, and we, we live in that joy in that moment. And so the takeaway for us, what's the... What's our response to this reality? Two responses as we hear our Lord shout, finished. The first one is worship. And guys, as we come to this holy week, I think His word is just inviting us into a 
a time of worship, a season of, of praising Him and giving thanks to Him. This week, as we think about this, and as this cry of our Lord echoes in our minds and our thoughts, finished, um, may it move us to our knees in worship. May it fill us with joy, just praise Him, but also gratitude. And when we come to Friday, which is a day we set aside as a part of our big church liturgy, member of the cross, may I encourage you to, whatever you're doing on Friday from 12 to 3, that time when darkness fell, get to a quiet spot, kneel down, and just thank, praise Him for finishing the work. Rest in His finished work. And then, if you're free, Friday evening, we have our Good Friday service, which is really just a time to kneel at the cross and praise Him together as a faith family. And we'll be having communion together, but really just um, praising Him and, and remembering what He's done for us on the cross. The second response, really, and I feel this is the, the heart of the, the burden of the message today from God's Word to us is this. As we live out our lives, given breath today, recreated in Christ, may we live with a similar passion to finish it. As we hear our Lord shout, finish, may that finish it passion beat in our souls as in the moments that we're tempted to despair, tempted to or tempted to do our own way, tempted to put desires above his work, above his work, we live with the passion to finish it. Fixing our eyes on our Lord and just saying, Lord, would you help me? Would you stoke in my soul the same passion that you had from the time you were young to the time you crossed that finish line? May I live with that similar finish it passion. So the question today, what's the work the Father has given you to do this week? I think about Jesus, just how for 30 years his work was pretty obscure. It was the season of preparation, you know, where he was not in the limelight. We don't know much about those 30 years, but he was faithful in those moments. And maybe you're there. That's your finish at work. I think about the fact that we've all been given the gift, a gift from the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ, to serve the body. So the question is, are you faithful today? Whatever that may look like, serving the body, using your gift faithfully, saying, okay, I'm going to show up at church this week as the Spirit nudges me. I'm going to help the person God nudges me to help. I'm going to act on the nudge and, and be about what He's called me to be about. Put his love in our hearts to share with the people closest to us, our families, friends, co-workers. And so maybe just, hey, this week, Lord, help me, help me finish the work that you've given me to do in loving deeply the people around me, loving sacrificially. And when it's not easy, and in that way, it's minor compared to his cross, but it's still a sacrificing. We know, though, the big reason we're all here is to be a witness to the good news of the grace of of God in Christ, right? That's, that's the main thing. To pass this news on, it's not about me and self-actualization. It's about me pointing somebody else and saying, hey, you heard God loves you and he finished the work that had to be done to save your soul and give you eternal joy, hope, peace. That's the job we've been given. So the question is, what can I do to finish that work? Jesus came to save your soul and my soul, and then he looks at us and says, now be a witness to this. As a church, it's why we exist, to be a light to those around us, to our community, to, to those who don't know him. And so I think as we come into this Easter season, what an opportunity, perhaps the greatest 
week of the year we have to invite people who may not know him, may not have a church home, to come see him in his glory. Hear about the good news. So um, what would that look like for you? And as a church family, we often talk about one life. We're all praying for the one life. That, and hopefully we have many lives, but, but who is it that God has placed in your heart and your life that doesn't know Christ and you're praying for them? And um, are, are you ready to finish it in terms of being a witness to them? To, to do the good that God's called you to do and, and being a loving presence, but also at some point, inviting them a bold move so i thought even this morning um i want to invite what if we are you guys up for a bold move just do it right now and, and i know some of you are processors so you, you could do this this afternoon think about it you, would you think about a bold move with me but i'm gonna and for those of you who want to just make a bold move right now our evangelist brian i know you're in any other evangelist out here kelly hassler the uh i know you're with me but Everybody else, would you pull out your phone if, you're, if you want to make this bold move? Finish it. Let's, uh, let's be a witness. All right? Let's just pull out our phone and think of one person who doesn't have a church home, maybe your one life that God's put on your heart, and let's invite them to Easter right now. All right? Hey, I, you guys with me? Who's with me? Who's doing this? Would you hold up? Those of you who are with me, hold up your phone this is just going to encourage my heart and everybody else's. Hold them high. Okay. I can't get a quick count, but this is like around 25 people are going to make an invite in this moment for next su- Sunday. Now, I'm just going to, hey, nice message, Pastor. Let's go do something. Let's finish it. So I'm going to, here's, here's a sample. I won't tell you who I'm inviting, but hey, brother I work out with, hope all is well. I was just thinking Easter is next week. We'd love to have you and your son with us, saving you a spot. There's mine. Maybe, and you know the person you're texting, so however it fits, but maybe just, hey, pastor just mentioned Easter, looking forward to it. If you have a place to worship, come with us. Okay, ready? Got your text? Let's do this. One, two, three, Mine's gone. I'm a processor too, so I get it if you guys need time to do this this afternoon. Pray about it. But would, would all of us be, what if a hundred of us send an invite out this week? Let's finish. One word can change everything. And aren't you thankful that precious, precious word that our Lord shouts with his last breath, for you and for me, finished. Forever changes the eternal destiny of every soul who will trust him. This is the good news we celebrate. Amen. The good news we get to share with those around us. I don't think it's possible to overestimate the importance or the impact of, of that one word. And so I, and my own heart and in your heart as well, may that word echo. Ignite us this week to worship, to kneel in prayer and gratitude and praise, but may it also move us to be about what he's called us to be about, to finish the work he created us to do and recreated us to do while we have time here on earth to serve him. So would you join me in prayer? And uh, and just in the quiet of your own heart, take a few moments to respond to the Lord, to 
what he said to you through his word. I invite you to just thank him for finishing the work for you. And then would you ask him to help stoke this passion to finish the work that he's given you to do? And then would uh, the one life that God brought to your mind and just pray to the people that that may not know Christ or may be far from Him, don't have a church home, and the opportunity that we'll have this week and on Easter Sunday to love them and to just have a front row seat to the beauty of, of who our Lord is. Father, we thank you for these moments to just fix our eyes on the, the wonder, the glory, the mystery, the beauty of the cross and cannot imagine the pain that it, it meant for you, Jesus, we, the pain that it meant for you. Your love poured out for us. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you in these moments. Lord, as we hear you shout, finished, securing our destiny and our eternity with you. Lord, I pray that the the passion of that shout would just stoke our fires. Those moments that we're tempted and we're discouraged or just growing weary in doing good, God, would you stoke in us a passion to finish the work that you've called us to do for your glory, by your power, and with your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.